Hello and welcome to the One Trust Talks Tech Podcast. This is episode number 13, recorded on August 28th, 2023. My name is Roger Dean and I work on the product team here at One Trust and I'm the host of this podcast. In this episode, we're going to have Blake Brannon on to talk about how One Trust is going to release new features in the future. And I will go over the latest release, the 2023 08.2 release, which was completed on August 25th, which was last Friday, and will be rolling out to environments uh, this week. As always, just a quick reminder that this podcast reflects OneTrust's current expectations for product capabilities. Be advised that dates and features may be subject to change and should not be relied upon when making purchasing decisions. All right, now I'd like to introduce the guest of the podcast, Mr. Blake Brannon, who is, geez, Blake, I don't even know what your title is anymore, vice president or chief something officer. I, what are you these days? I, I'm just a guy on the product here for our customers. <laughs> there so you go. Whatever needs to be done, I'm, I'm all, all hands on deck. Uh, I love it, love it. Um, so I know we're working on new stages of the product development and how customers get access to those products, those features in those different stages. Uh, can you just kind of walk through what the different stages are and and what the differences are between them? Yeah, of course. And thanks for having me on. Uh, excited about sharing with uh, the audience here some of what we're working on. Uh, let me start out and kind of give some context of why we're maybe making some changes here and what we want to do. Um, when, when I talk to many of our customers, one of the biggest things that I hear from them is that they want both um, more predictability in our releases as well as consistency in what's being released. And um, even though we do things like, uh, as you know, Roger, like every three weeks there's a release and we publish out a schedule and, and that is in itself consistent, What's not predictable in that is what is actually in those releases. And this is because we need to actually mature out to the next level what we're packaging up in each release and to create a common set of taxonomy for our customers, our field and support resources internally, our partners, and obviously our internal product and engineering teams to be consistent with, you know, when we say something's ready for release, what does that mean? Right. And and how do we align those expectations? So the first concept uh, that we want to do around this is create, um, a, this is a pretty common practice uh, for many organizations, but to create a common taxonomy of the stages of a feature goes through through its life cycle and which of those stages uh, a customer gets to interact with and what does it mean. So obviously a, a piece of functionality is an active development in its first phase of its life cycle. But when it's ready to uh, start to go out to the world outside of product and R&D, we want to introduce uh, kind of some common stages that that would go through and some appropriate stage gates so that we can drive that consistency for our customers. So uh, private preview, public preview, and generally available are the three kind of stages that we want to put as kind of a structured process around everything that we release. Um, so let me explain what those three are. Uh, private preview is uh, kind of what you know many organizations might think of as like a beta phase of a software development lifecycle. You're privately previewing uh, some new capability, some new, it may be an entire application, it might be a new feature set uh, with a selected set of customers. Um, so this is often something that the product team might solicit. Uh, there may be some requirements uh, in terms of the customers have to meet certain requirements before they can participate in a private preview. Um, the team may choose to do it with a very limited set of customers. We're running one right now 
um, for a section of our application where I think we've capped it at about 20, 20 to 25 customers. So that really allows us to really co-develop with our customers in a very intimate way. And you know, as you can imagine, if you've got hundreds of customers that you're trying to do this with, it makes it really hard. Yeah, you're just not for sure. ready to do that. Yep. Um, but that's typically something that is still an active development. You know, we may never actually release that functionality. We may decide based on uh, doing that private preview with select customers and testing it in the wild that there's a better way to do it or there's a different way to solve that problem. And we may never kind of bring that to market. Um, so that's kind of the private preview stage. And, and with that, I, I assume that customers that participate, I mean, this is like potentially MVP, just like minimum viable product. So it could be one feature out of multiple that actually make up that entire feature is ready. We want to test that. And there may be bugs. There may be um, things that aren't right. But this is actively development code, at code that's in active development. And, and the customers that participate are fully aware of the fact that, hey, we just want you to see this, test it out, give us feedback. You know, there may be bugs, whatever. But here's a first look. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah, it's for customers that want to be in that phase of the lifecycle journey and development. And they get to co-author it with us, so to speak, in terms of giving us that very active feedback. And we take that into iteration as it's being built. Uh, but you're, you're spot on in terms of the expectation alignments. There's going to be bugs. There's going to be changes to functionality. Right. Uh, there, don't run this in production. Be, <laughs> don't run this in production. Yeah. Don't. Yes, absolutely. All those things kind of come with the, the, the territory there. Right. So, so the next phase is um, what you call a public preview. So the public preview is when we've really fully developed with those customers from the private preview all the functionality that uh, we need to produce. And we really feel like the entire feature is kind of code complete. There's nothing left to develop. There's no more testing we need to really do on it. Um, but we're ready to release it to the market to make everyone aware that this is a, a set of functionality or an application that is coming and allow our customers, our partners, our field teams to really absorb all the change and, and really get ready for that functionality to become part of the, the just native code base and, of the And does that really help with, uh, you mentioned predictability earlier, this gives customers sufficient time to see what this feature is, how it works with the product, maybe update their documentation or their, their processes, maybe update some screenshots or whatever. So so they aren't just it doesn't just appear in their console one day. It's they've got time with this feature to play with it and understand what it is. Is that really kind of the main goal for that? Absolutely. That's exactly it. Okay. Um, you know, we we don't intend to ever build functionality that is uh, what what I call a breaking change, right? Where you have to as a customer um, you know, intentionally be prepared to make a change. But as you said, uh, many of our customers want that heads up uh, well in advance to change documentation, to just be ready for the change, you know, before it really occurs. And that window gives you uh, a time period to do that. Um, so it's spot on. That's right. exactly uh, what the intent is for that stage of the the software development lifecycle. And this is not by invitation only, right? It's any any customer that owns the proper licenses, and obviously goes without saying, that can access that will be able to turn that feature on either in a UAT tenant or in in their production if they want to. But obviously that comes with some cautions. But in any customer that that has the rights to that code should be able to do that. Right. That's, that's correct. Yeah. So publicly is publicly available to any customer that owns it. And as you said, uh, some functionality may come with an ability to still uh, turn it on. So you get to choose, hey, this new test workflow or this new 
web form or this new uh, banner or data source that I'm connecting to, I want to use that new feature. Uh, but it's a choice, you know, for the customers. But for an all intents purposes, um, the product's available. You know, it functionally right. is fully fit and we are done developing. You shouldn't expect bugs. Uh, of course, if you uh, do find some, you know, that's uh, that's another reason why we could uh, get that resolved before it does go generally available to uh, to everyone, of course. But it's a great kind of readiness phase right. in the life cycle. Right. And with private preview, any sort of documentation or any sort of uh, uh, training or anything is going to be done by the product managers. Um, however, when it goes to public preview, all of the documentation will be there from our tech writing team and from just as if it was going GA, generally available, but it, it's not. So it's we're treating just correct me if I'm wrong, but we're treating when it goes to public preview as if it's generally available from all of our processes and all of our documentation and all of our enablement should already be done. It's just we're giving customers the the time, whatever time period that is, a quarter or whatever, to play with this thing, get used to it, understand it. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. We're uh, we're fully done with it, and this is the the phase to burn in, if you will, for our customers and partners that may want to update their service offering documentation, or they want to prepare training for their employees on how to use the new functionality, all those types of things. But from a product perspective, it's code complete, all the tech writing, our supportability as a team, all of this is uh, buttoned up and ready to go. Got it. Okay, super. I know people are going to love that. And then I guess the last one, obviously, is general availability. That's, that's when, what, is that, what does that really mean? What's the difference between that and a public preview? So generally available is it's uh, it's on for everyone, um, depending on the functionality. It may be on by default uh, for everyone as well or available. Again, each functionality is going to depend a little bit on the exact change. But again, the spirit is we, we never introduce breaking changes to the software uh, where possible. Um, but it's out there. It's available. Uh, all of our labs, our partners are enabled. Our customers have an, had an opportunity to go through training. Our SLAs are applicable, like all these things that you would expect of this is production grade, uh, support, you know, grade, if you will, software that is available to use. Cool, cool. I know that sometimes we have to migrate some things due to the function of the of the feature, meaning that it might require some work on the back end. Even though the code is done, we can't roll it out to every single customer on day one. It takes a little bit of time. To, so that's, I guess, one reason why it may not be available to everyone right at the start of that when we announce it is generally available, but the migration will happen over time, and then it'll be there for everyone. But from a code standpoint, from a documentation standpoint, there's really no difference. It's just on by default in their environments. Yeah, absolutely. And where possible, you know, for functionality that does require that migration that you talked about or that phasing of rolling it out to all customers you should expect from us to have a published schedule in my one trust right. of when you can expect based on your account where it's located in the world etc when your environment and account will get access to that right right um i know one of the things i've been talking about this for a while with with some customers um and i know that we aren't really 100 percent on board with this process yet in the product team so in release notes we're seeing uh preview notes and we're seeing release notes and some features are being released throughout the quarter and not in the seasonal release or whatever. So I guess from your standpoint, and maybe you don't know this, but like how do, what's the time frame on how long you think it will be before we're 100% officially doing this process of private preview, public preview, GA, 
with all the release notes and, and everything? Yeah, you know, my my goal. It's a great question. This is definitely something we have to kind of evolve into. And uh, just like we were saying with some of the two or three things that we outlined here about what's the difference in private preview, public preview. There's a whole very detailed list of things we have to internally do so that every single team, every product manager, every developer is also aligned with uh, very nitty gritty kind of details under the hood, if you will, inside right. the application. So um, getting that defined and documented and then everyone on the same page and then having the governance process to kind of overlay all of it is one of the big work streams we're working on through the the rest of this year. So my hope is that we're able to going out next year, we've got our four seasonal releases throughout the year. So uh, any big and material changes you can expect to land in one of those four releases as opposed to, you know, every month or every three weeks like we've been doing. And uh, then with that, this taxonomy of a private preview, public preview, and then GA helps you as an organization really understand how ready is that new capability. Um, even even when we do release it, you know, being able to almost co-launch some of these capabilities with the customers that supported us in the right. private preview. So you get a little more assurance and there's a proof point in the market of, hey, this is this has kind of been built and it's been pressure tested. And, uh, you know, this these were the five or six customers that really helped us do that. Um, so all of that coming to life to answer your question, you know, I think our customers can expect uh, this to be something that we start sticking to and really mature out, um, you know, in 24. Got it. Yeah. And we'll see signs of that throughout the rest of this year. But um, it, it's just, I guess, have a little patience with us. And as we work through all those processes, you mentioned. Um, last question. So I'll... Does this apply to all features or is it only really kind of, you mentioned breaking changes or breaking features or are there different tiers within side of our features that maybe the lower level ones will just get released as generally available and not go through the private preview, public preview, or, or how are we addressing that with, with regards to the, the impact of a feature, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. So each of our uh, feature sets will be tiered internally through a tiering system. And uh, if you think of something like a security fix or a bug fix, like you don't need to go through the process I just explained. You just right. want just that pushed there. out and don't break something else, but fix the issue that's there and do it ASAP. So those types of things, as well as improving what I would call like existing functionality in a non-breaking way, you're just kind of maturing something out. Nobody really needs to be trained to know that it's there and things like that. Um, those things will continue to uh, be released um, without having to go through that very long drawn out process, but something that is more material, it's a major enhancement, it's an architectural change, it's a new application we're releasing. We wanna make sure that we really uh, bring those to market in the process I outlined just to ensure A, they're high quality, they're more consistent, uh, for our customers and uh, our customers have time to absorb. Perfect. Those. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we'll still expect to see some really minor things or, or bug fixes or other things like that every three weeks, but anything that's significant um, is going to be going through that, that um, stage process of private preview, public preview, and then general available. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, anything else that you'd like to let folks know before we wrap everything up? No, I mean, I, this is really exciting for us um, based on all the conversations that I've had with customers on just how do we get more predictable. So uh, I would say tune in to, you know, I'm sure we'll 
talk about this again on a future podcast, but myonetrust.com, we're probably going to be sharing a lot of this information uh, about that. We also have our user conference coming up later uh, in September and then in October called Trust Week. And um, while we won't specifically only talk about some of what we described here with feature release and some of that capability, we are going to be showcasing lots of functionality that has gone through some of these private preview processes and uh, there's just new functionality to help make our lives of our customers better. So if you are in New York, San Francisco, London, Paris, or uh, Frankfurt, uh, we have Trust Week um, uh, one-day events that you can just pop into, really easy to get to um, and you know low, low investment in terms of time. We'd love to have you there and love to continue to partner with you on your trust journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be there at least for three of those doing hands-on lab stuff. And so if you want to stop by and ask questions about this process, and I'll be there to answer that. And I know, Blake, you'll probably be at all of them, right? And you, uh, you catch you at a coffee break or whatever and talk to you about that if, you want, if they want. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been incredibly helpful, and uh, I appreciate it. Um, and we will uh, we'll talk to you sometime later. Sounds great. Thanks, Roger. Thanks. Okay, now let's move on to the new features in 2023.08.2. The first area of the product is audit management. We've got a couple new features here. The first one is system list user attributes. With this, you can configure custom single select and multi select attributes using system list users uh, when creating audit and work paper attributes. This will allow you to use system users as attribute value options. The attribute values captured will appear on the audit and work paper details screen. The second new feature with this is bulk delete audit scope. So with this, you can delete multiple controls scoped into an audit simultaneously. Moving on to universal consent and preference management. One feature here is translations now supported for country and state data elements. The country and state data element values that appear within selection fields across the Universal Consent and Preference Management module are now translated in all available language. In incident management, we have a couple new features. The first is create automation rules. Here you can create incident automation rules to trigger actions based on specific conditions using the new automation rule menu in the incident management module. This feature allows you to configure automation rules to send email notifications using the email templates listed, which are incident needs action notification, incident deadline pass to notification, and incident deadline approaching notification. The second new feature is assign workflow stages to required task. With this, you can assign an incident workflow stage to a required task when creating or editing a task on the incident details screen. This will allow you to assign a specific workflow stage to a required task so that the task must be completed before advancing to a future stage. Users can filter the task list screens to view tasks by workflow stage. And I know just as an aside that these two new features here in incident management have been highly requested by customers and and some escalations around that. So I think these are going to be really well received by, uh, by customers. The next um, area where there's a new feature is the employee portal. The new feature here is support for right-to-left languages. This is a huge addition to the employee portal. Uh, We now support right-to-left reading of Hebrew and Arabic as personal user language preferences. 
Selecting the right to left language preference will uh, reorient the employee portal interface to accommodate the reading direction. And just to note that this only applies to the um, employee portal. This does not apply to the admin portal. I know this is on our roadmap to do that, but uh, it's not there yet. So just be aware that the employee portal now supports right to left, but it does not. it is not supported in the admin portal just yet. Moving on to data discovery, a uh, new feature there is some new system classifiers. We have added the following system classifiers to support regional classification needs when classifying through the entity classification service. They include Canada driver's license number, Canada phone number, Danish passport number, Denmark personal identification number, uh, France SIRET or SIRET, I guess, uh, Germany taxpayer identification number, Germany value added tax number, Italy phone number, Sweden national ID, Sweden passport, and U.S. employer identification number. Uh, in the mobile and CTV OTT consent, we have one new feature, a new admin. Uh, the reassign option now displays on the context menu for mobile and CTV apps in the website's list screen. In IT and security risk management, we've got a few new features. The first new feature is assign user type attributes for template rules. Here you can assign user type attributes as risk owners and risk approvers on the template builder screen. This allows users to configure user type attributes as risk owners and risk approvers when configuring template rules to create a new risk. The second new feature in DRM is filter by custom control attributes. You can filter control implementations by custom attributes when choosing controls to assess during a control self-assessment. This allows users to easily search and select controls based on criteria unique to your organization. Again, this is another one that I know has been requested by a lot of customers, so that's, that's pretty cool we've got that out. The next and last new feature in this area is launch additional control assessments. With this, you can configure control template rules to send assessments upon approval and send assessments upon submission. This will allow users to send follow-up control assessments based on the details gathered within a control assessment to gather additional information from respondents. In privacy rights automation, there are a couple new features here. We have new visibility rules for attachment selector. You can leverage visibility rules to configure when the attachment uploader on web forms displays to your end users. This allows you to specify scenarios when attachments can be uploaded with web form responses. The next new feature here is verification conditions for web forms. Here you can equip your web form with conditional rules for request verification based on request type, subject type, country, or state. This allows you to define criteria to determine which verification methods are applied to a request. In PIA and DPIA automation, um, we have two new features here. Enhancement assessment follow-up actions. So you can select users or user groups as respondents and approvers for the send assessment upon submission and send assessment upon approval actions. This enables you to send follow-up assessments to specific users not included in the original assessment. You can also map an organization to follow-up assessment to send assessments to any organization. The next feature here is the self-service portal welcome message. You can create a custom welcome message when the self-service portal welcome message setting is enabled in global settings. This will allow users to configure a header and message that will appear on the assessment screen in the self-service portal. Uh, in the settings and administration area, we have a new feature called an enhanced custom role creation. 
Here you can create custom roles using the enhanced custom role and workflow design to simplify custom role creation by surfacing additional details for each available permission and by optimizing the permission configuration process. Some more details on this. The role screen now provides you with the ability to distinguish between system and custom roles at a glance and identify the number of users assigned to each role. Permissions can be assigned based on general permission levels such as viewer, collaborator, or manager for a given permission group. And you can drill down into each permission group to view individual permission names and descriptions along with additional details such as the object action and permission level to help you identify what each permission controls. Um, this is a pretty pretty significant change that we've added. I know we've been working on this for quite a long time and it's, it's being released. So uh, I know custom roles can be um, a bit of a nightmare knowing who's assigned and who's not and what permissions they have. This, this, new, um, this new feature really makes that much easier to, to view what permissions are there and who has access to what. So check it out when you get a chance. Um, moving on to third-party risk management. Few new features here. We have engagement import template enhancements. With this, you can delete columns in the update engagements import template to avoid overriding existing engagement data. This will allow users to remove template columns for the details they do not want to update. The engagement records will only be updated based on the details included in the import. The next feature is add vendor attributes to notification emails. Here you can add system and custom vendor attributes as dynamic variables or on emails when configuring vendor workflow stage rules. This will allow you to auto-populate dynamic variables to the subject and body of the email in the send notif notification workflow stage rule action. The next new feature in TPRM is self-service portal welcome message. Here you can create a custom welcome message when the self-service portal welcome message setting is enabled in global settings, similar to what we talked about before. This feature allows you users to configure a header and message that will appear in the assessment screen in the self-service portal. And that wraps up all of the new features in the 2023.08.2 release. I am going to add more of this based on the conversation we had with Blake today with respect to preview features because preview features are now gonna take on a much more significant role. And I will be going over what new preview features are included in each release as well as which, which new features will be in each release. Um, and based on you know what we talked about moving forward, a lot of the new features will be released as public preview, which you can turn on in a uh, UAT environment or a test, test tenant. And um, then they will be made made available, generally available, turned on by default in your in regular environments in the next uh, seasonal release when that happens in the following quarter. So that's wrapping it up. If you have any questions about anything you heard on the podcast, please don't uh, hesitate to reach out to me at podcast at onetrust.com. Thanks again to Blake for coming on, and we look forward to talking to you next week. <laughs>